Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hello, Maximizers. Kurt Morton's here with Podcast 290. As we creep up to 300, we're going to have to do something special, give away some freebies as we get into the podcast today at Maximize Your Influence. So the podcast is Maximize Your Influence. You can always go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com to find the archives, to find your free book, Maximize Your Influence, and to take your Persuasion IQ test all right there. And you can find access to InfluenceUniversity.com. So, hey, hope everyone's having a good week. I think summer's here. Summer is here. I'm calling it. I'm declaring it. In fact, did a little camping, went out to nature. and But, you know, going back to nature is a good thing. But as I age, I think I'm becoming more of a hotel person. I don't know. Just thinking. Crossed my mind. But it's always good to get back to nature and kind of reset. So everybody, welcome. Let's dive into it today as we get into it. Remember, you can contact me at Kurt, K-U-R-T at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Let's start off with a classic geeky article. This is done by Thomas Moriarty at New York University and in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, some classic studies that I use in Maximum Influence to talk about dissonance. Getting the yes, getting the foot in the door, which we'll be talking about with our listener email today. What happened with this one is they wanted to test commitment and dissonance. And dissonance is what you feel when you don't keep your commitments or your beliefs to yourself or to others. So this happened near New York City at a place called Jones Beach. And there's a boardwalk there. And of course, it's crowded in the summertime. And so researchers randomly selected an accomplice they're on the beach laying on a towel, and here would come somebody else. They put down their towel and, you know, a little electronic device there, and they sat there for a little while. And the ages of the people ranged from 14 to 60, so there was both genders and a wide range in age. So after a while, the accomplice would stand up and walk away and leave the electronic device. And, oh, here comes the thief. Part of the study walks right up, steals this electronic device. And they just want to see if anybody, the people around them who knew it was a theft, would stop this person and risk personal harm. And very few people were willing to do that. In fact, it was only 20%, 20% good Samaritans willing to stop the thief. Now let's switch it up a bit. If people are willing to keep their commitments, let's see what happens this next time. So everything was exactly the same. They put down the towel, electronic device, they'd lay there for a little while, they would stand up. But before they would walk to the boardwalk, they would say to the person sitting next to them, excuse me, I'm going to the boardwalk for a few minutes. Would you watch my things? And the person said, sure, yes, that's what we do. We're nice people. Then again, here comes the thief. The person's watching. And now it's 95% of the time because they got the yes and people keep their commitments. And we're going to talk about the yes. How do you get the yes and how do you turn a no into yes? So think about it. 95% risk personal harm versus 20%. 
Then they duplicated the study, this time in New York City. They went to a busy restaurant. They had a well-dressed accomplice. They'd take a seat. They had a briefcase. They'd sit there for a little while. Then they would exit, leave the restaurant, leaving the briefcase. A few minutes later, the thief would walk over and take the briefcase, and very few tried to stop them. But you know the second part of the study when this young woman said, Excuse me, may I leave this here for a few minutes? Everyone said yes. Maybe it was because the young woman was beautiful. They don't specify on that one, but that would make a difference, especially if they were talking to men. We like to pretend that that doesn't exist. And of course, with the commitment, it changed everything just like the beach study. So what does this mean to you? It means get the yeses, get the commitments, get people to agree to do what you're asking them to do. And that's going to be our focus today as we talk about different aspects of persuasion Getting the yes, getting the commitment. Think about it, 20% to 95% with a simple yes. So getting the yes is much more persuasive than vomiting all the features and benefits of your product or service. Let's talk about it. But before we do, we've got to get into our blunder or our ninja, or let's see, we're going to call it the blinja. Blinja? Don't, don't, don't! So those that are new to the podcast, a blinja is I haven't decided if it's a blunder or ninja. I will let you do it. You can send me an email and let me know. I was driving in this kind of rural area. It was still pretty populated. There was a strip mall, drove by the strip mall. And I was with my son, and this place was labeled Goat Haircuts. I'm thinking, who brings their goat in for a haircut? I mean, humans get their hair cut, but bringing a goat into a strip mall, I mean, why would they do that? Do they grow a lot of hair? Are they using the hair? Are they selling the hair? All these questions, and then my son looked at me and says, no, Dad. GOAT stands for greatest of all time. I'm like, oh. He says they use it for athletes and musicians and public figures. When you're GOAT, you're the greatest of all time. So I guess that's a compliment. So I guess these haircuts are the greatest of all time. <laughs> now, did you know that? I didn't know that. Well, he's younger than I did. He knew that. I mean, acronyms are probably getting more and more popular the younger you get, especially with texting. So on the blunder side, I would say most people, I don't know if you have an exact number for you, but most people don't know what it is, and they're not going to get their haircut where goats get their haircut. But to the younger audience, that would definitely be a ninja. So maybe it's in the middle. Maybe that's their target audience or demographic. They don't want old people in there. Maybe that's their thing. I guess you would have to look at the numbers of demographics and, of course, their foot traffic. But you decide, is naming your business a goat, even though there are no goats, is that a blunder or a ninja? Let me know. And with that, let's go to reader email, which will bring us into our content for today. This is Philippe from Mexico City. It's in Espanol. I'll do my best. I'm better at Portuguese. But he says... Kurt, love the podcast, and I have your book, The Laws of Charisma, in Spanish. I am trying to be more charismatic and more persuasive, and I appreciate all that you do. All right. Thank you, Philippe. He then says, my challenge is, and maybe I'm not charismatic enough, is I'm getting a no before I even get started. I haven't even described my product's features, and I'm getting a no too fast. How do I get more yeses? Well, Philippe, thank you for your email, and you get access to InfluenceUniversity.com for sending that in and then using it on the show. And that's my advanced 52-week program on persuasion and influence and even self-persuasion. So, Philippe, let's tackle that. 
First of all, if you're getting a no that fast, they're not qualified or there's a relationship or trust issue or you started out by vomiting. I mean, that's something you need to address real fast. If you're getting a no real fast before you've even started, there's some issues there. Maybe it's a knee-jerk reaction like a clothing store. Can I help you? Oh, just looking and you're like, oh, man, I needed help. Or maybe like a door-to-door, you're going to say no right away without knowing what it is. I mean, you got to look at the situation there. So look at that. Is it a knee-jerk reaction? Is it your industry? Is it you? Kind of fine-tune those things and maybe find a quicker what's in it for them could be an issue. But let's talk about turning a no into yes. Let's say you've already gotten the no. You're not sure why. Let's talk about ways to make sure that doesn't happen. Getting more yeses or turning that no into a yes. And remember, things have changed. Introverts are more persuasive than extroverts because they're consultants. They listen. They're not pushy like a proverbial salesperson would be. It's got to be more that doctor-patient relationship. And the reason I say that is because when once they accept you as the expert, there's very little resistance and you're not getting the no. So the first thing I take a look at is, are you truly listening? Listening with your ears, your eyes, your heart. Are you just vomiting on them or telling them what they need to do? Because they're not going to say yes unless they know you understand what their problem is and you have a solution to that problem. And most people stink at listening. Remember what I said, listen with your ears, your eyes, and your heart. Not just pretending to listen. And we stink at it. Our attention spans are all-time low. We're prejudging. We're jumping to conclusions. We're thinking about a response. Are all things that hurt us. Remember, great persuaders... Listen three times more. Great persuaders ask the right questions, and they can find everything they need to know to get that yes. I mean, you can guess and throw those persuasion darts at them and hope something sticks. Here's a feature. Here's a benefit. Here's a feature. you got to get in there and listen. Now, the one I want to address is thinking about a response, and we all get stuck on that. It's, oh, squirrel, (laughs) if you've ever seen the movie Up, the talking dog who doesn't have much of a attention span, just like humans. So I would always take notes. When you're talking to somebody over the phone or face to face and on the left, just jot down things you need to know. And on the right, what I write down are my thoughts, my ideas. And so I don't have to panic and blurt it out so I don't forget it's there. I'm listening. I'm becoming a consultant and that changes everything. And when the time is right and then they're ready, I can look at my right margin and talk about the things we need to without interrupting. And that's the key. Give them undivided attention. That's what experts do. Doctors are listening. Lawyers are listening. They're asking questions. They're trying to figure things out. They have eye contact. They're not playing on their phone or answering email. They're showing sincere interest. They're using silence. They're using questions to keep the conversation going. They pause before they reply. That's what a consultant does. That's what an expert does. They don't sit there and interrupt and vomit all the things they think that are important to that person. So once you've mastered the the listening, you can get into questions. Questions are gold. Remember I said, they'll tell you everything you know to persuade them. Questions create mental involvement. And catch this, they always get answered. Like what? Yeah, even if it's in their head, it's our school training, question, answer, question, answer, even if it's not said out loud. So there's that engagement, that involvement. It guides the conversation. You can find out their needs. And it's always good to use Open-ended questions to gather information. Always answer a question with a question. And you've heard that before, but very few people are capable of doing it because they're so anxious to answer that question. And ask the easiest questions first. Just get a pattern going. What do you think about? Or how do you feel about? What's the most important thing about? Right? Take notes. You're the consultant. You're listening. 
I mean, would it upset you if you sat down with a lawyer and you didn't say anything? He says, yeah, I know the issue. I'll take care of it. And you're like, whoa, uh, wh- huh? what? So even if the lawyer did know the issue and could solve it, you're feeling a little violated because you need to talk it out. You need to let them know, make sure they understand. So even though the lawyer thinks they're saving you time and money, they're not because there's going to be remorse, just like we talked about last week on the podcast. Another thing to think about, too, and talk about more of this on the YouTube channel. YouTube channels maximize your influence about foot in the door technique. If you want to know more, check it out. It's known as foot in the door. And I don't name these things, but basically you begin with a smaller request and you follow it with a larger request. It's also called sequential requests. People tend to be consistent in their behaviors and the answers. And the more yeses you get, the easier it is to get more yeses. One study was at a university with psychology students. And they were asked to participate in an early morning study, like 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. Hey, will you participate in the sensory perception study Saturday at 6 a.m.? And only 24% said yes. I mean, that's very low. Then they applied foot in the door, which is incredibly simple. This is all they did. And it went from 24% to 56%. This is all they said. Hey, we're doing a sensory perception study. Will you participate? Sure. Saturday available? Yeah. 6 a.m., can you be there? More than doubled, 24% to 56%. And all they did was take one big ask and break it down into smaller yeses. So here's your aha, here's your takeaway. If you're getting a lot of resistance, if you're getting a lot of no's, what you're asking is too big, break it down into smaller yeses. Remember the easiest yeses first. And a lot of people blow this in their persuasion where they come in and they they go after the hardest issues like price or terms. Those are some of the hardest things. No, start with the easiest. Maybe data delivery. Yes. Who's going to be on the team? Yes, right? What color? Yes. You see what we're doing here? Easiest yeses first. Get a commitment. Get the yes. And once you start getting the yeses, they got to convince themselves that those were good yeses because the human brain needs to be right. And every yes you get, it must be more and more right. In fact, there's a famous study done by Knox and Inkster at a horse racing track in Canada where they interviewed people before they placed a bet on a horse. Right? It was gambling. And they weren't very confident. But once they made a decision on the horse that they they chose... They were interviewed again to see how confident they were in that decision. Again, the race hadn't happened yet, and they were a lot more confident. Because the way the human brain works, if you say yes, if you put money down, if you make a decision, you've got to validate that decision. So every yes you get validates that decision and makes them easier and easier to persuade. So sequential requests, foot in the door, whatever you want to call it, getting the yes is, Felipe, one of the things that you can do. Now, as you take a look at this, make sure there's small commitments. Just little small commitments. They lead to larger commitments. And it doesn't have a high cheese factor when that door-to-door salesperson knocks on your door and says, do you live here or do you love your children? Then basically you're like, yes. But this, done under the radar, is very, very powerful. So get small commitments. If you get them to write it down on a napkin or in an email, it'll stick much better and it's more persuasive. Even if it's public, there's three or four people around or you tell a few people what's happening, that is foot in the door. And they've done studies with this where they show students these different lines and they're supposed to pick which one's the largest and smallest and a lot of them get it wrong. And when it's just in their mind, it's easy to change. When it's written down on a pad, they can erase real fast. It sticks a little better, but when it's written down and permanent marker on a big sheet of paper and turned in, they don't change their mind. That's why public is so powerful. And another one, big word, easy to understand, called reciprocal concessions. Felipe, if you notice a lot of resistance, you're getting a lot of no's, 
I would use reciprocal concessions. Basically, if you're trying to persuade someone and they're resisting and they're resisting, let them persuade you on a few points. Concede on a few issues. Because if you're resisting and they're resisting, they're going to resist more, you're going to resist more. Open up. Say, yeah, I agree. You're right. We should change that. We should fix that. We should do that. Give in on a few issues. Let them persuade you on a few issues. Give them a few concessions, whatever it is. Then they're going to be more open to concede, give you a few more concessions and to be persuaded. So let them persuade you on a few points you don't care about, especially teenagers, then they're going to be more open to hear your point of view and to be persuaded. Be another technique that you can try is called reciprocal concessions. And one final piece of advice, Philippe, and for everyone, is try not to get the no. If you're going into a persuasive situation and you can tell you're getting the no, don't let them get the no. For example, a business situation you have your big project you're talking to the ceo you're all excited and they're in a bad mood things aren't going well you didn't prepare your presentation as well as you should you've sensed that no's coming if you care about this project do not get the no if you care about the sell do not get the no because once you get the no it's harder to turn that into a yes you can there are ways to do that like we talked about today but say something like you know let me do a little more research and get back to you in a few weeks let's meet in a couple months on this issue Let me find out those three things that you wanted to know, and I'll send you an email. Get a maybe. Get a possibly, because turning a maybe or a possibly into a yes is much easier than turning a no into yes. So think about that this week. Formulate some yes questions. Write them down and then put them from the easiest to the hardest, and then start there. Getting the yes. Sequential requests. Each yes you get, they're more and more persuaded. Even a yes from... Let's meet in the boardroom instead of our office. Let's do 2.30 instead of 3 o'clock. Everybody raise your hands. Write this down. Those could also be considered small yeses, little pieces of persuasion that you can use to start the persuasion process. And those work really well because when you ask someone to write this down or raise their hand, they don't feel persuaded, but they're being persuaded. That could be part of your sequential request, foot in the door formula. So thanks, Philippe. We'll give you information about your free membership to InfluenceUniversity.com. Good to hear from you and everyone else. Appreciate your love and your feedback and your support. It makes this all worth it to create the YouTube videos and the podcast. You can find us at YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and we'll soon be on Radio.com at Maximize Your Influence. Tell your friends, your family, your enemies about the podcast. Hit the like button and subscribe to the podcast. Again, thanks for being here. Philippe, thanks for your email. It's awesome that you're learning how to persuade and influence. And you can go out and not only make the world a better place, but you're also able to persuade with power.